0: How you guys doing? You're doing better than me, I'll tell you right now. I uh we were in California till Friday night. And then Friday we we ended up in um sorry about this. We on Friday we ended up um coming back from California and we were supposed to fly um in the early or in the late morning, and then we're supposed to get here, um, you know, in the late evening on Friday. And then we got to the airport and we all got in the plane, and they said, We have a mechanical failure, so we're glad they found it before we flew. And then, and then, but then we stayed in the San Diego airport for 12 hours, and uh. Then we got here at nine or ten a m the next morning, so we're a little bit so if i don't if I say something that doesn't make any sense, just ignore that all right, which might be the entire thing I say today so no um so we have some information we wanted to just give you guys a little bit of a report about israel and uh and what's been happening there so um so, as you know, we live in Israel, right? And Israel has 8.5 million people. And of those 8.5 million, about 75% of them are Jewish, right? So, so it's, it's not like you would imagine, though. Like, many people think about Jewish people in Israel, and all they can see is those guys who are very religious, you know, with the, the black and the white and the curlies and everything, right? But that's not how it is. Actually, most of the 75% Jewish are really just secular. Many of them don't. You know, um, don't really go to any kind of synagogue that often, maybe on Yom Kippur, you know, like once a year, so kind of like a lot of people around here who would say they're Christian, but don't really you know have that living faith in Jesus and don't don't come to church, you know, but they say, well, I'm from a Christian family, so if you look at that, it says there's two percent Christian, right so out of those percent percentages, you know we have the uh the the truth is that most of those Christians are Orthodox or Catholic Christians who come from Christian families. They're mostly Arab. They're, they, they were Arabs who were lived there for a long time. there have been Christian Arabs there for forever. And actually what's interesting is some of those Christian Arabs probably came from they probably were actually some of the Jewish people who first became converts to, to Christianity 2,000 years ago, and their families, you know, stayed there forever, and some of them so it's actually amazing. So they, some of them have very long history there in Israel. And so, but these days of Jewish background people, there's probably only about 15,000 Christians, 15,000 Messianic believers. And so we just say Messianic, that means in Israel is just Christian. Somebody who believes in Jesus who's going to follow him with their life, right? So born again um, people who come from a Jewish background, probably about 15,000. And that's 0.001% or something like that. You know, it's very, very low. And that's why we are there. You know, that's why you guys sent us to go there. Um, Because, you know, in Rhode Island, you can, you can, if you want to find a church, you probably can find it pretty easily. And you can probably, if you don't like, you know, the music at this one, you can go find a music that you like at a different one. And if you don't like the preacher, you can find it for a different preacher. Now, you know, we all know that that's kind of a uh, silly way to think about church, right? I mean, like, you come to be part of the body at, of Christ at a church, and so you know it's everything's. There's no perfect church, but but we come together, and together we we seek to grow together, right? And so anyway, anyway, there's not in Beersheva where we live. There there it's an interesting thing. There's um, five Russian-speaking churches. So a lot of Russians came to Israel. They immigrated for, because they were Jewish, but they didn't actually learn Hebrew. <laughs> so they have these. These, uh, these churches of older people who are from Russia, and they, they speak Russian. And then we have one or two churches in, in Beersheba that are from Spanish-speaking backgrounds. But in Israel, in Beersheba, there are much less number of believers who are actually Hebrew-speaking. So that's like actually relevant to the society there. And so our church is the only church in Beersheba that is, is speaking Hebrew. And uh, I'll show you a picture of that in a second. Does this work? Oh, yeah. So we're here in Beersheba in the south. So if you look, you can see the Dead Sea sort of on your on your right, and then the Mediterranean Sea. And sort of in between the Gaza Strip and the Dead Sea is where we are, right? It's kind of desert-like. So it can be cold at night in the winter, but it's pretty dry and hot in the summer. So we might we probably won't see rain for seven or eight months in the summer. You know, it just kind of goes through. So, um, this is our town, 'er Beersheba. And you can see a lot of apartment buildings there. Most people don't own their own house. They don't have their own yard. It's all shared space. And you have your, you you can buy your own apartment in a building, you know, but um, it's also very expensive to buy apartments there. This is our congregation. And everyone's sort of waving hi. So, we have this little video. Let's see if we can show this real quick. Let's see if, if we have the technology. And we need volume. Shalom. One more time, play it again. It's very short. Shalom. So everybody's saying shalom to you from our congregation. That's our. Shalom, sh'tayim, Shalom. So we have to do the same thing. Can we do that? Can we send a video back to them? So they were all like saying that to you, so I told them I'd show you guys. And you have to say shalom back every practice, okay? Three, two, one. Okay, good. Here we go. And a little waving is good, okay? Three, two, one. Awesome. All right. Thank you. So I'm going to show that to them. Anyway, our our congregation is there. You can see it's kind of a mix of all kinds of different people. Israel is a country of immigrants. There's a lot of people from different areas, and um, so there are there are some young people, some older people, and um, um, this is some of the young guys going out. We had some hamburgers, you know. We went in, and uh, it was actually Tal's birthday. Some of you have remember Tal. He's a violin player and he's been here before, but um, so. So a lot of our ministry has to do with meeting with young people and discipling them and being with them, you know, and some of these guys, I started hanging out with them, teaching them from the Bible, teaching them guitar, teaching them different things about ministry and life as followers of Jesus when they were like 12 years old. So, you know, we've been there 11 years now. So this guy over in the bottom corner there, his name's Victor, and Victor's getting married next week. And uh, he asked me to do the wedding. So it's the first wedding that I will have done ever. So we'll have to see how that goes. But um, it should be fun. And so, so you know, th- the thing is, a lot of these guys, we have spent, and Irene has girls she's spent with. I just happen to be up here with the microphone so you see my story, right? But she also has girls she's been hanging out with. But anyway, a lot of these people, young people, are now in a place where they are, they've grown up in the Lord and they're in you know, er- their early 20s and they're actually in a position where they're starting to, be able to go out and and do new things and so some of these guys you know i'm sure will be leaders in the near future of some some things in the church and uh, some of them are leading bible studies and stuff like that but we're 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 praying about some of these guys becoming more and more um effective in their ministry and how the lord might use them um whether that's being leaders in churches in new church plants in new bible studies and new things so we, we're, we're excited to see what the lord does this coming time um, one of the projects we're working on is this, there's my son Boaz, I'm not sure what he's doing there, but um, we're working on a, we, we have this new little group of guys, it's actually four guys and one of the guys wasn't there that day, but we're writing some new songs in Hebrew, so one of the projects we want to do is a, this new worship CD, half in English, half in Hebrew, um, actually we want to do two CDs, a full CD in Hebrew and a full CD in English, like a double, pro, double album, so, so we have some of our CDs in the back, And anything you give today, which for any of that stuff, which we're giving to you for whatever donation you want, whether that's zero or whatever, but but it will help fund that project. So that's one thing to know about. Um, But you know, when we talk about Israel, we also often think of the problems in Israel. That's what most people think of when they hear about Israel in the states. They think about, well, there's this conflict there. There's the Palestinians. So what about the Palestinians? The Palestinians, they live in the Gaza Strip and the West Bank. So the Gaza Strip, you know, that's 99% or basically 100% Muslim. Why? Because they basically killed everybody else or sent them away who didn't agree with them. And so there used to be more Christians in Gaza, and now there's not. And um, in the West Bank, we have 80% Muslim, 12% Jewish. Those are like the settlers who have their little, you know, places, enclaves. And then um, we have about 2% Christian in places like Bethlehem and stuff like that. And, and so, also those 2% are not real strong Christians, most of them. Many, it's, it's very few people who believe in Jesus and follow him with their life in the West Bank also. You can see that. And so that's why we need people to go to the West Bank and share their gospel. We have many friends who do that, but, um, you know, we don't speak Arabic. We learned Hebrew. But if you want to learn a language to share the gospel in today, I would say Arabic is like the language to learn. You know, I mean, start now when you're young, learn Arabic, and you can share the gospel with millions of people in the world who need to hear it. And so, so you know, anyway, anyway, we have this, you know, thing here where the, that's, on the other side of that wall is the Gaza Strip. On this side is Israel, and you have this tension between people, you know, these, this, this sort of thing where every, every so often you hear about people dying because of this, problem. So what's the solution? I mean, you know, we have all these wonderful world leaders who try to put this stuff together and nobody seems to, nobody seems to succeed with their unlimited budgets, with their great, you know, experience and whatever. They can't seem to figure it out. So I'm going to show you something, what you think. And, you know, you can think about it. We, this is just one small example, but we work with this this ministry called the Fellowship of Christian Students in Israel. And that is kind of like InterVarsity or Crew, where they help plant Bible studies on different campuses around the country. So in Israel, there are five major universities, plus a lot of colleges. And so we have many, many little Bible studies happening with just a few students, just a few students here and there, in Arabic, in English in Hebrew, in different places, you know, led by different people, and we help the students to learn how to lead the Bible studies. And we have this conference once a year, which is an inductive Bible study conference, where we have all the students come together and learn how to study the Bible. And so, um, this is a picture from that conference. <coughs> so in this conference, you have people who are, speak Hebrew, people who speak Arabic, people who are Jewish, people who are not Jewish, people who are Arab people who are from America, from, from other places that they came to study in Israel. And what is the thing that brings us together? It's just Jesus, right? (laughs) You know? And so, so if you want to, you want to get rid of the tension between these kind of peoples, we have to actually have a heart that's surrendered to Jesus. And so in, in our, you know, in a, in our current environment here in America, you know, there's a lot of division also based on politics, which is some of what this is in Israel, and other kinds of divisions among people. But what happens is when you are actually really surrendered to Jesus, then all of a sudden those things become, they they matter less, because we are citizens of a different kingdom, you know? Like, we we are called to be good citizens of the country we live in and do what we should do as as good you know obey the laws as long as they don't contradict what the lord has spoken to us in his word right but above and beyond all of that we are citizens of the kingdom of god and we belong to each other and we belong to him so so these are the this is the way we can bridge these barriers between people we don't there is you know We know that there is a future eschatological purpose in Israel and all of these things. But right now, what we actually need is more and more people to hear about the gospel. And that's what we need in Rhode Island. That's what we need in New England. That's what we need all over the world. Because the Messiah is the same Messiah for everyone. And so, you know, um, here's a picture, a couple pictures from the university where I'm a student. Because I'm a student there. I'm working on a PhD. I'll finish within the next year, uh, hopefully. But... Um, you know, this is, you can see there's tons, tons of students there, and we have about 30,000 students in our city, so there's 200,000 people in the city, 30,000 of them are students, and uh, there's probably only, you know, maybe four or five hundred in the whole city, which are Christians, so we have a lot of work to do, you know, and so you can just continue praying that, that we are able to share what we need to share. Here's another picture on campus, we're, we have a lot, you know, A lot of these great grassy areas on campus, Um, and they must spend a lot of money watering them because outside of the campus it's all just brown. (laughs) But in the campus, it's nice, and people are hanging out, and you can go and and talk with them, and and the Lord has opened up many opportunities to share with people. So so, um, this is actually in the campus cafeteria, and, and it's a few guys I'm working with where we're studying this idea of spiritual warfare, and what does that mean? to be fighting the battle for the Lord, you know. And so, so we have these different kinds of groups. We have our church. We have kind of Bible studies. We have smaller groups where we're spending time with people. And, and this is really the ministry of the church, you know. So, so if you're not involved in some sort of smaller group in this church, well, you should be, you know. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make anybody mad. But, but you really should be involved in some kind of smaller Bible study. This is, this is where you really can ask questions and learn about things. And Sunday mornings are important and good, but you also need those different size groups, you know, to, where, where you can actually help other people grow, and they can help you grow. And that's part of the whole thing. You can say, well, I don't. I already know everything. I don't need anything. Well, then you should be there since you know so much. You know what I mean? So you can, you can help, right? That means that you're so smart. And if you're not smart and you admit it, then you should be there. And you, should, you, you, know, you, need, you, need, you need that uh, kind of help. So, so um so, you know, Jesus said, "Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid." And in this world there's many reasons for fear, you know. There's many we, people want this kind of peace that's sort of fake in a certain way, where we all just treat each other nice, but there's really not peace. So they want, you know, in the in the in the in the Old Testament, you know, We have these Ten Commandments. And you have the first four, which are about our relationship with God, and the next six, which are about our relationship with people. And people want those bottom six without the top four. You know, they want people to say, yeah, no murdering. Yeah, we agree on no no murdering. That's good. Um, But you can't agree on the bottom six if you can't have the top four. You know, like you can't have peace with people without those without peace with God, because he's the only one who can help us with that. So so, um, so, we pray that the Lord would give us his peace, and that's the peace we want in the Middle East. We want the peace of Jesus. And so, you know, we have this this, this lock, this kind of problem, these doors that are locked. So what's, that's the Palestinian flag and Israeli flag, right? And, and we're not looking for some grand political solution right now. We're looking for Jesus to come into the hearts of people, and then at some point he will return, and he will set up his kingdom, and then there, there will be um, real peace, you know, but, but um, the, real, the real king is Yeshua, who brings peace to our hearts and minds, and so, um, everyone say Yeshua, Yeshua, that's how we say Jesus in Hebrew, and it's actually sort of an Aramaic version of Hebrew, so we have this song we'd like to sing with you in Hebrew, and we'd like you to sing it with us. So everyone say Yeshua, Mashiach, come on, a little more of that in there, Mashiach, Ben David, and that means um, the son of David, so you can hear that David, David, you know, Ben means son, and then, um, and then, uh, so those are the words to the chorus, all right? So let's stand up and sing this one song. <coughs> Can you hear that? All right, so it's actually John three sixteen. This this, this song is John 3.16 in Hebrew, so it's on our CD there, and if you learn it, then you can learn how to say John 3.16 to people in Hebrew. Pretty good, right?
1: et beno ye leman lo yovan kolam amin olam lo Ela Lehoshea, Yeshua, Yeshua, Ben David, Mashiah, Yeshua, Yeshua, Mashiah Ben David. Gikoa Elohim et ha Akinatan et beno yehidu leman lo yovad kolamamim bo elainchal chayel olam. lo nishlakta el aleho yeshua yeshua ben david yeshua yeshua mashiach ben david yeshua Yeshua, Ben David, Mashiah. Yeshua, Yeshua, Mashiah, Ben David. Hakoban ha-Muslim hayachid le-tamir, dam yakani shpach le-chapel ha-tayim, atzak ve-gulal le-kol dam she-yamin Yeshua Meshichib Ben Elohim ha-Akuv. Let the Who I Ben David, Mashiach, Yeshua, Yeshua, Mashiach, Ben David. Amen. Awesome. You guys have a seat. Nice job.
0: Some of you guys were singing along. That means you had the CD already, right? I saw you over there for sure. So we're just going to look for a few minutes at the uh, Gospel of John in the beginning. Mm. Yeah, we have all these big water cup things up here, but there's no water in any of them, you know? (laughs) (sighs) Um. So, Mm. let's just read the first, let's pray first, and then we're going to read um, we're going to read the first five verses, and then the verses 14 and 15. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we can look into it and hear from you. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. Help us to um, be submissive to your will, and uh, help us to think and understand clearly. And Lord, Lord, I pray you just help my mind to be clear also right now, that you would help me to communicate what you would have me to say here this morning. And uh, anything that is not coming from you for this morning, Lord, I pray that people would just forget it. And whatever is from you, Lord, I pray that you would touch their hearts and uh, just help us all to follow you more closely. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So, thanks, darling. So, in the beginning was the word. or did not overcome it, in some translations. In verse 14, And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him, and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. So, in uh, verse 1, we have this incredible picture of the beginning. And obviously, the, John here is talking about, he's relating to the beginning of creation, right? He's talking about what, what happened when the world was created. And so, you know, in the beginning of the Bible, you have the book of Genesis, and the first words are, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Right? And so John here is trying to bring us something to complete that picture. And he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So what's interesting about that phrase is it, it says he, it was with God, and to be with someone, you have to be separate from them, right? So... You wouldn't say, I'm here with myself, you know what I mean, like that. Maybe some of us would, but that's a little weird. But, but you know, to be with someone, that means it's something different than you. And, but then the next sentence says, and the word was God. And so we have this incredible picture. You know, when, when someone speaks, those words represent who they are in a very um, tangible way. And so um especially when you're a child, you know, your your words represent what you think. And then as we grow older, we kind of um, you know, hide maybe more of who we are behind different kinds of maybe we don't say everything we think anymore, you know, but when a little kid comes up to you and says um, you know, you're fat, that they, they really mean that, you know. And, uh, or whatever, you know, I mean my kids say some crazy things sometimes, but but uh, you know, they, they they just say the truth about what they think. And and God tells the truth all the time. Right? God isn't hiding anything. God isn't, you know, some sort of person who's trying to say something that's that's incomprehensible. He's trying to communicate with humanity. And so his Word, which went forward and created things. So how, how did the earth get created? God created by saying, let there be light. So His Word said it, His voice said it, and the words came out, and there was light. And this is very interesting. And so this idea that Jesus, because this is talking about the Word becoming flesh. How? into the In Jesus. Jesus Christ, Yeshua, the Messiah. He, he is, you know, the living Word of God in a certain sense. And so, so, here we have this Word that is exactly expressing the power and representing God in human form. Being born, as we celebrated just a little while ago, in the form of a small baby, and um, He came down to us. So, so God came to us. And let's, you know, let's think about this for a moment. We have the, it says, he was in the beginning with God. So, so this is talking about an eternal being, right? Somebody who lived forever. And we often, I think, act on earth as if we're going to live forever down here. You know, we don't think about the fact that we're going to, that this life is very short. And the longer I live, the more I realize how fast time is going by, and it just seems this is going to be over very soon. And then what? You know, there's been millions and millions of people who have lived before us, and they have come and they've gone. But Jesus is eternal. His life is forever, right? So here's an eternal being, and it says in verse 3, that all things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So here we have this eternal, all-powerful being that created everything. Every single particle of every neutron, of every cell, of every, you know, of every living thing and non-living thing. All of these things were created by Jesus. That's a pretty powerful person. From our perspective, everything we see here, everything we feel, everything we breathe... All of this stuff came from him. But, you know, he's, so he's eternal and all-powerful. And in verse 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. There would be no life without Jesus. There would be no life, life or light for people. And this light shines in the darkness. And then in, in verse 14, he says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so, this miraculous event happened. The, the creator, the all-powerful creator, the eternal being, was born. Do you see what I mean? So, he, like, he had, he, he confined himself into time, first of all, <laughs> you know. Like, this is a very weird idea, because God is outside of time. God sees all of time from the beginning to the end, and he doesn't need to, you know, he's not. But Jesus, being God, came into time. So confining himself by putting himself into time. This is a huge constriction on God. You know what I mean? Like, God is outside of time. So to willingly accept that and be inside of time, that's a big deal. And then, he's the all-powerful creator. So to put himself into such a weak position, of a baby. Now we all know babies, you know, there are some animals that they're born and they just start going out into the world, you know, like these little turtle eggs that they bury in the sand, and then the turtles get up and they crawl over to the they crack the egg and they crawl over to the ocean and they just start swimming, and nobody's there to take care of them, and a bunch of them get eaten by seagulls or whatever along the way. But but you know, they, they are not they survive on their own, whichever ones survive. But human babies are not like that. You have a human baby and you put it outside in this w- wilderness, you know, the wilderness of the front yard, and the 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 baby will die. You know what I mean? Like the baby needs, the baby is completely dependent. And so here's the eternal creator of the universe, the all powerful one, putting himself into this very tiny, vulnerable position that is in, just needs all the time. You know, babies can't give you anything. You think your baby loves you, but you don't really know that because all the baby cares about is that you give the baby what the baby wants, and when it receives it, it's happy. So maybe it can receive it from you, but maybe it can receive it from somebody else and be just as happy. You don't know if the baby loves you. I'm sorry, you know. I, maybe I'm making people mad, but, but, but you know, no, the, the, your baby loves you from the moment it's born. I promise. But, but, but. You know, the the baby is completely dependent and just needs. It needs to be cleaned. It needs to be given food and nurtured. And if we don't give that attention to it, it will die. And the creator of the universe put himself in this extremely vulnerable position in the hands of humans. And he did it 2,000 years ago when there was not the clean, sterile standards of the world today. You know what I mean? There was this chance. I mean, how many babies died back then? What percentage? A lot, you know? And so, um, you know, I even heard this before that in some of the ancient times, you know, in certain places, they wouldn't even give their kids names until they were 10 years old just to make sure they would survive, you know? Well, let's see which one lives and then we'll give them a name, you know, kind of a thing. This is like the way it was. And so part of the reason our population on earth is growing so rapidly in the last 100 years is because we figured out how to keep babies alive. You know, very interesting. So, so here's the creator of the universe in this extremely vulnerable position. He became flesh. And he lived among people. That means he bled. He 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 learned a human language, you know, and he went through all the different things, and he, he got made fun of for different stuff, and he put all of his power uh, aside. He could have, you know, some bully makes fun of him at school, and he could have, you know, sort of zap and change his his ears into really big, you know, elephant kind of things or whatever. You know, I mean, he could have done all kinds of stuff, but he didn't do any of that. We don't read about any of that stuff happening. No miracles, anything until he's ready to do his ministry. And so, this is very, very interesting. Um, And then, you know, he did the unthinkable and allowed himself to be handed over to die. So, not only was he born in such a vulner, vulnerable manner, but he then allowed his, his life to be taken and he allowed himself to be completely in the hands of the Roman soldiers and, and the, the Jewish leaders who put him in the hands of the Roman soldiers to painfully um, afflict him and, and kill him on a cross. You're like a criminal, you know? Not like a smooth criminal. Like a really bad criminal. You know what I'm talking about here? And, and so, you know, um, so, so he died. And there were many Jewish people around that time, many different little leader guys who came up and had bands of guys following them, you know, these groups that followed them. And they said, you know, follow me and we will get free of the Romans and we're going to be, we're going to, um, you know, and I'll be the Messiah, basically, kind of a thing. And so there were all these people, these different leaders, who they thought, the, the, the Jewish people thought, maybe this is the Messiah, maybe this is the Messiah. And what happened was they all died. And so Jesus died. And everyone thought, he's just like the rest of them. He's just another one of these guys who... Did a bunch of interesting things and rebelled against Rome a little bit. And then, you know, and then they killed him. And it's over. Next. But that is not what happened. Jesus rose again. Now this changes everything. You know, if this fact is true, if Jesus rose again from the dead, then this is the most important historical fact in all of history right? And this, so, so how do we know that Jesus rose from the dead? Well, we depend entirely on what? On the testimony of other people who saw that. We believe that Jesus rose from the dead because of the lives that were changed by the people who saw him. And so, you know, if you if you look in the Book of Acts. Let me just see exactly this quote here. You know, you you read about what um, what happened in Acts four thirty three. If you read about what what happened before Jesus rose from the dead, and how everyone was running scared, and some denying Jesus, and all of a sudden, but what, what made them so bold? What all of a sudden gave them courage? In Acts 4.33, it says that the, the disciples, the apostles, gave witness with great power of the resurrection of, of the Lord Jesus, and with great grace, and, and, and this great grace was with everyone. And so what gave them this power? The fact that they had seen Jesus risen from the dead. And so, you know, thinking about this, um, that we stand on the shoulders of all the believers who have gone before us. 2,000 years of people passing this message on. And so, Peter, you know, he was crucified upside down in Rome. So he said, they said, we're going to crucify you. And he said, I don't want to be crucified like my Lord. I don't really, I'm not worthy of this. So they turned his cross upside down. And, you know, that's even a crazy thing to imagine. But, because crucifixion is already horrible, but turn somebody upside down, you know, it's even worse. And, you know, according to the, the, uh, the history and, uh tr- traditions of the church that we have all the disciples all those 11 disciples that were with Jesus in the beginning they all died deaths by by uh by either um crucifixion or you know we have we have in in uh acts how jacob uh or sorry uh james was was killed by the sword, you know, and, and all these different people lost their lives. Why? Because they believed in Jesus. They, why, nobody would die for something that they knew was a lie. Right? And so you have people, and the, the only one who survived is the guy John who wrote this book, the Gospel of John. And they tried to kill him by throwing in him a big vat of boiling oil and he somehow lived. And so then they put him on the island of Patmos in this prison way out in the middle of the Mediterranean. And that's where he wrote the book of Revelation, right? So we have all these people who were the eyewitnesses, and it completely changed their lives. Why? Because they were not afraid, because they said, look, Jesus rose from the dead. We don't have to be worried about the life, our life on this earth so much, because we have proof that we have eternal life, because what Jesus said was true. He's the resurrection and the life, so even if we die, we will live. So we can be bold. We don't have to be so worried about anything Because we know Jesus rose from the dead. And so, so we depend on the testimony of other people. Now let's look just for a second back in John chapter 1. And it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was uh, he of whom I said, he come. He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. And this is talking about John the Baptist, right? So John the Baptist came and he was, he came before Jesus and said, This person coming after me, he's actually before me. He's He existed before me and he's better than me. He's He is much better than me. And... Um, you know, he's higher ranked than I. He's, he's somebody more important than you should pay attention. So, so John had a lot of disciples who were, a lot of people who followed John came out and were baptized by him. But, but he said, Jesus is more important than I am. You should pay attention to Jesus because he's more important than me. And then when Jesus came, a lot of John's disciples went over to Jesus, right? And so then he went to prison. He was beheaded and and his ministry was over. But Jesus his ministry kept going and all these, you know, all these people were following him now. So, what's the point of all this? So Jesus changed himself in a certain way in order to save us. That's the point of what I'm trying to say here. That the incarnation is an amazing event that happened because Jesus was willing to come and be among people, confine himself to time, confine himself to this, this kind of dependency. And then when he left, he gave no other instructions besides the fact that his disciples should tell the story. They should be witnesses. They should testify to what God has done and be faithful about telling the truth about Jesus. That's, that's all he said. He didn't say, you know, take some video in HD and then show everybody that I'm alive. He just said, no, you know, tell everyone what has happened and how it's changed your life so we have one other example and i'm just going to read this one passage in first corinthians 9 9 verse 19 though i am free and belong to no one i have made myself a slave to win the week, Pay attention right here. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. So, um, Paul says, I've become all things to all people, like the Jews, like people under the law, like people not under the law, in order that some might be saved. Now, my question for you this morning is we have this example of Jesus, right? We have this example of Jesus who came and changed himself in very meaningful ways in order to reach people. Then we have Paul who changed himself in very meaningful ways to reach people. You know, like he he came and said, you know, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to go and reach those people in that place. I'm not just going to, you know, You know, uh, stay the way I am when all these people are there and I need to, you know, act differently around them in order to help them reach to, to, you know, maybe I need to wear a different shirt so they'll reach, they'll have the gospel. And so that's what he did. But these two people also, at the same time, they weren't faking it somehow. They didn't, they maintained authenticity and they were not compromising. So, you know, um, my question for us is how far would we go out of our way for the sake of the gospel? You know? What kind of changes could we and should we and would we make if we knew that this would bring the gospel to people? Because Jesus made incredible changes. He confined himself in ways that were, are unimaginable to us so that we could be saved. So, what, what ways can we think about ourselves and say, well, you know, maybe I need to change the way I am a little bit to help somebody else come to the gospel. Maybe I need to change the time I take my lunch break so that I can go and be with these people at that time. Maybe I need to, you know, maybe I need to act a slightly different way around these people. Is there some way that I can be more effective for the gospel by allowing God to change me in a, you know, and try to reach them across a cultural barrier, across a language barrier? Is there a language I need to learn? Is there, is there something I need to do that God could say to me, you know, do this so you can reach the people around you? And so, you know, every one of us is in a different context. I mean, if you look at me and Irene's life, we've learned a completely different language. Our culture has changed. You know, we're not exactly American anymore in, in some ways. You know, our we are the way we like. I eat salad for breakfast. You know what I mean? That's like totally Middle Eastern. And and so you know we we have like kind of different ways of thinking, different ways of doing things because we were trying to reach people in Israel. And so you know, for example, we like to eat pork. You know, we don't have any problem with eating bacon. We like bacon. But in Israel, we're not gonna. We could there's there's actually it's kind of crazy there are there are um, places where they grow, you know uh, raise pigs right but because in the Bible it says you're not supposed to raise pigs on the land of Israel what they do is they put them all on these platforms so that they're not touching the land <laughs> and that way they can raise them and it's fine it's I'm telling you the truth it's crazy but but I, I, we just don't, we don't have that in our house because some people ask. And they say, you know, well, you, you're, you're not a Jewish, so do you eat pork? Do you have pork in your fridge? And we go, no, we don't have any in there. It's not, it's not a big deal to us, you know. I'll be happy to not eat pork if that's going to help you come to, the, come to the gospel. Not because I don't have the freedom to. Because I have the freedom to do whatever I want. I'm an American. <laughs> you know what I mean? We have that attitude here sometimes, and sometimes we need to say, "I'm going to set aside my freedom so that I can reach somebody else." Because I could do whatever I want, but I'm not gonna, for the sake of the gospel. So, you know, how will this change our lives if we consider these things? You know, um, you know, how far would you be willing to go for the sake of the gospel? And maybe that's not an actual physical distance, you know. Maybe that's actually a, a distance in yourself. What would you be willing to change for the sake of the gospel? Maybe you need to change some things for the sake of the gospel so that you can reach some of the people around you. Maybe you need to exercise less independence in a certain way, less of your freedom to reach other people. Maybe you need to relax and have a little more freedom to reach some other people. I don't know who you are and what your exact person personality is, you know. But, but, this sense of purpose is really what we need in our life, you know? The gospel is our purpose. And many times in this world, we have all of these all the commercials in the world are trying to convince you that your your life on earth is so important right now that you need to go and buy this new, you know, Pepsi Zero or whatever it is. Or, you know, you must have that right now because life on earth is so important. Well life on earth is important for one reason. To tell people about the gospel. You know, like it doesn't matter. If if I don't have to have a Pepsi today so that I can share the gospel with you, then I'm gonna do that. You know, and, and so so what what kind of you know, we, we have to work. We need to work. We need to do our work, we need to earn money, we need to take care of our families. And hopefully, we're sharing the gospel in our own families in whatever way we can. But we also, you know, need to be sharing the gospel outside of our families, and and as we're doing the things of daily life, this is the sense of purpose that we need in our life. You know, um, the the other things they're just not fulfilling. I, I have a son who's very excited about gifts, you know, and. He gets really excited when it's his birthday, you know, and we give him, he's got some, you know, presents, and he's, like, so excited. Why can I open the presents? Why can I open them? Why can I open them? And then he comes, and he, he like, rips them all open, and that's, like, this big letdown for him because, because he's so excited about opening them, and then he opens them all, and it's over, and it's not, you know, it's not enough. And so you can have as many worldly things in this world as you want. You can have all the stuff, and you can still not be fulfilled. And you can be chasing after that next thing and that bigger whatever, but we need this sense of purpose in our life, the gospel. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to share the gospel with my family, with the people who are close to me, and the people who are far from me, whether that's be distance, culture, language, whatever it is. What can we do, and what is God calling us to do to change about ourselves so that we can share the gospel with other people. You know? And so, just think about that for a moment. Um, we're going to finish right now, and uh, we'll sing a song together, another song that we wrote. And, um, but first, before I do that, I just can't give this message without asking this question, is there someone here today who would like to become a follower of Jesus? Who would like to say, you know what? I don't know who this, you know, I I I haven't ever followed Jesus with my life. Maybe I've heard about him before, but I would like today to become a follower of Jesus. I would like to make Jesus my king. I would like to become a citizen of that kingdom above every other citizenship that I have. I would like to follow Jesus. And so, is there somebody here this morning who is saying, I I I need to? change my life this morning by just becoming a follower of Jesus, you know? So if, is, is there anybody here this morning who would like to do that? And I'd like to raise your hand right now. Amen. Is there anybody else who would like to say, I'd like today I'd like to become a follower of Jesus? Be brave. Because God's talking to you right now if it's you. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to pray with you. Okay? So everybody, let's pray, and we're all going to pray together. And I'm going to have to say a prayer, and everyone just say it with me. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, just say it right after me, just repeat after me. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the life and the light that you give us in Jesus. We know that we are sinners and that we need you this morning. And so we give you our lives from now until the end of our lives. And we ask that you would change us and help us to follow you. Thank you that you've forgiven us of all of our sins. And we give you our lives in exchange for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Welcome to the family. So um, now uh, I'd like to ask one more question. Is there anybody here who feels that God is speaking to them, that there is something about their life that they would like to change in order to help share the gospel better? Is there anybody who who's God is speaking to you right now and saying to you, you know what, there are things in my life that I need to do so that I can be more effective in sharing the gospel. Things I need to learn, things I need to change, things I need to, things I need to be not afraid to try. You know? Is there anybody like that? Who, who, would, you, would you raise your hand with me today? Amen. All right, so what we're going to do is pray together. So I'm going to pray for you guys. Let's stand up and let's pray, and we're going to sing together. <clears throat> Father, I pray as this morning that you would help us as we want, to, we, we want to be more effective in sharing the gospel. We want to be more effective in giving your good news. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to um, submit ourselves and our choices in our lives to you. And we pray that you would change us and help us to be um, tools in your hands that, that can be useful in sharing the gospel. And we thank you for your love for us that is never failing, never ending. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So why don't we stand and sing together. All right, so this is a, a new song we wrote and um and there goes all the water. <gasps> <gasps> hey. And um <clears throat> You know that there there are 360,000 people born every day. Do you know that? Every day, there are 360,000 people born, and 150,000 people die every day. And so we need to be much more effective in what we're doing. There's 360,000 more people today than there was yesterday who need to hear the gospel. And what are we doing to do that? You know, what, are, what, is, what is our part?
1: So much suffering all around us Like an ever-growing wave People born so thirsty for you People dying still empty You send us out to brave the darkness You put your light into our hearts you never leave us oh lord jesus you won't forsake us in the dark you are the light of the world the only way to the father you satisfy our thirst with your living water, you are the light of the world, the only way to the Father. You are the truth and the life, and there is no other. placed us here for your good purpose and by your spirit you give us strength strength to stand and be your witness to bring good news to the lost and dying us out to brave the darkness, the darkness. Put your light into our hearts You never leave us, oh Lord Jesus You won't forsake us in the dark You are the light of the world The only way to the Father You satisfy our thirsts With your living water, oh, you are the light of the world, the only way to the Father, you are the truth and the life and there is no other so let this hope we know overflow overflow from our hearts and lips to this broken world let this hope we know overflow overflow from our hearts and lips To this broken world So much left to do in so very little time like the dew. We disappear in so very little time. Gotta spread the good news in so very little time. Let your light shine through. Let your light shine through me. So much left to do in so very little time like the dew. We disappear in so very little time. Gotta spread the good news in so very little time. Let your light shine through. Let your light shine through so much left to do, so very little time, like the we disappeared, so very little time, gotta spread the good news, so very little time, let your light shine through, let your light shine through me. You are the light of the world, the only way to the Father, you satisfy our thirst with your living water. You are the light of the world, the only way to the Father. You are the truth and the life, and there is no other.
0: Amen. So, Lord, this morning we give you our lives. We give you our church. We pray that you would use us to shine your light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'll have to talk to you in the back afterward. God bless.